welcome to Very Amusing, your one-stop shop for the stories, secrets, and shenanigans of a popcorn-fueled theme park journalist. I'm Carly Wiesel, and I am coming at you from Colorado. If you, if it seems like I'm out of breath and I can't get words out of my mouth, thanks, Altitude. I've been here for a week, and somehow I still have not... I've not gotten back to being altitude friendly. I'm not good with it, even though I am back in the family house that we temporarily lived in during the pandemic. It's actually pretty wild. I launched the podcast from this house, which was never the intent. The podcast was in the works well before the pandemic. And we ended up moving to Colorado for many reasons, including, and I don't think I've ever mentioned this here, but part of the reason was the podcast. Because in 2020, <laughs> when the pandemic first started, uh, our neighbors on our right-hand side, they demolished a house and were building some horrible box house. You know, those like huge modern gross houses. They were building one of those. I say gross because I like old architecture. It, I mean, it's a nice looking house, but I like I like old. I like, um, I like houses that have been around for a hundred years. I like stuff like that. So they were building this house and the bulldozer was so intense that our house was shaking. And I was actually, the first podcast episode I was supposed to record was with Paul Shear, our first Hidden Mickey's episode. And I had to cancel and reschedule because the house was shaking so much. So that's part of the reason why we ended up in Colorado in this house that I am now podcasting to you from years later. Isn't that fascinating? Time is really a construct. I cannot handle it. Anyway, this week, uh, it is holiday week, and I am not up to too much that's amusing. Uh, this is a ski town, and I defiantly do not ski. My husband's entire family are huge skiers, avid skiers. Apparently, my husband, Ben, is like a professional expert-level skier, and I'll just never know. <laughs> I'll just never see it, because I'm never going skiing again. <laughs> we started coming here probably 10 years ago over the holidays, and uh, I, I gave it a shot. I skied one time. I skied one half day, and it did not go very well. As a Midwesterner, I had never seen a mountain this big. I mean, I'm from Illinois. I had no idea. I couldn't even imagine a mountain this big. I truly did not know you ski all the way down, which I'm pretty sure I've admitted on this podcast before. But I thought you just skied a little and then took the gondola the rest of the way. I thought you just like do a little trip and then and then come down on the gondola, which makes no sense because people are skiing down at the bottom of the mountain. I didn't think it through. I'd never really seen a mountain. But I know I'm a fool. I, I just, uh, I'm, I'm not a skier. I'm never going to do it. But you know what? Maybe I'm not that much of a fool because I didn't learn this week that apparently there are these little, my husband was talking about it. There are these little mid mountain lifts that you take to get to other places. He was explaining it to me and I spaced out. I will admit because it was too much for my brain to handle that there's this huge mountain and then there's the big lifts and there's other lifts and you go to different areas of the mountain. I can't even imagine a mountain that big, even though I've been on it. But apparently there are little lifts that you take halfway through. So I'm not, I'm not, I'm not the big of a goof. I'm still not clearing it. I don't feel as corn fed as I did before though. Cause there clearly is a mid mountain lift and anyone who skis is laughing at me and probably thinks I'm a full doofus. Anyway, enough about wintertime, a topic I am not an expert in. <laughs> Let's talk about theme parks and travel. Now we will be back in the new year, which is next week. Oh my gosh. With full episodes, including one about the many, many things I learned while traveling to Disney World with a baby and everything I did and saw and experienced on my first real trip back to Disney World since maternity leave. The first of many that I'm cooking up, by the way. Get ready to be full force back to normal, infrequent trips. I'm sorry, in, not infrequent, free. I'm going to be in a frequent amount of trips. That was confusing. In 2024. But I don't want to leave you fully stranded during the holiday break. I wanted to make sure you had an episode. So today is a bit shorter, just 
because, you know, it's a holiday. I'm, a, I'm a preoccupied with snow and baby and walking around town and looking at lights. Happy Mary, by the way, if you celebrated. But we will be back January 3rd with the podcast with an all-new full-length episode and a full year's worth of episodes. If you've been listening from the beginning, you know I used to take these big old seasonal chunky chunk breaks, but I'm doing my absolute best, my absolute most to keep us from ever doing that again. Ideally, very amusing would be every week, like clockwork, dependable, uh, save for, you know, small pre-planned breaks. Unless I get food poisoning again, and I got it so badly that I lost my voice. I cannot believe that happened, by the way, this month. Uh, I don't want to be gross, but let's just say I destroyed my throat from that. So I'm hoping for even more episodes of Very Amusing in 2024, and I'm cooking up a lot of great stuff, so I cannot wait to share it with you. I hope you all had a wonderful holiday break. I hope you have a wonderful New Year's Eve, and I will see you in 2024! But not before we gab about Disney World food, so stay tuned, because we have a lot to discuss. This is the smell of a warm three-day-old egg salad sandwich in a wimpy trash bag. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy! Blech! And this is the smell of that same sandwich in a hefty, ultra-strong trash bag with new Fabuloso lemon scent. Hefty, hefty, hefty! <sighs> smell the difference? When life gives you stinky, get Hefty Ultra Strong with new Fabuloso Lemon Scent. It smells like clean, freshly picked lemons. So no matter what's inside your trash, you can stop the stink and smell the lemon. It's time for another season of The Palmetto Porch, an original podcast from Discover South Carolina. I'm Devin Whitmire. Join me as I get to the heart of what makes South Carolina such a great place to visit by speaking to the locals who make it so special. Premiering December 5th, find The Palmetto Porch wherever you get your podcasts. And for more information about our show, visit scpalmettoporch.com. Welcome back! Welcome back to this little ditty about all the foods and treats I ate at Disney World earlier this month. And some revelations. We've got some revelations, good and bad people. Good and bad. Some old favorites falling out of favor. Some new entrants into the favorite restaurants category. We have so much to get into. I, I also have food on the brain because I just updated the Eater Guide to Disney World. And as part of those updates of their food map, their go-to food guide, I had to swap out things that I didn't think should be featured any longer and replace them with ones worthy of the title. And I'm pretty happy with these selections I made, I'm not gonna lie. The audience for those guides is different from this podcast. It's co-authored off an original guide that I didn't write, I didn't write the original one, but I've been updating it, oh my gosh, for years at this point, maybe for four, five, five years, six years, five years? Many years, <laughs> many years, I know that for sure. Uh, and it's really kind of for the, help, I've never been to Disney World and I'm here now, what do I do, where do I eat type of guests. But I still think it's reliable. So check that out if you're interested. I will put the link in the show notes. As for my trip earlier this month with my parents and my baby, we did four days in the parks, two at Magic Kingdom, two at Epcot, and a little smidge of Animal Kingdom in there as well, which we will get into on the future episode. But we are here to talk about food, and we will start with our first in-park meal, and one we don't discuss nearly enough, Columbia Harbor House. I actually added this quick service Liberty Square restaurant to my eater guide because you know what? It is good. It is good. And I'm tired of living in the shadows of quietly, silently loving this place. I'm going to yell it from the rooftops. Columbia Harbor House is the best because it is the most reliable. Columbia Harbor House 
It's the friend you invite to your party that you know is going to come on time so you don't have to sit in silence and pray that people will actually show up. Columbia Harbor House will always think the TikToks you send it are funny. Columbia Harbor House is the most reliable restaurant in Magic Kingdom. And you'll pay for it on the back end because finding a table here is a full-blown nightmare. But I still eat here almost every trip and I'm bumping it up to a must visit. I mean, that salmon with green beans and rice is a staple in my family household. It is the perfect protein to get you through a park day. And on top of that, they even have fun indulgences on the menu, like hush puppies and fried shrimp and a lobster roll and a seafood boil. A seafood boil in the middle of Magic Kingdom, the quintessential theme park. Can you even believe it? As other places like Pico's Bill kind of slowly go downhill over the years, this place is always solid and it deserves the praise. And since I mobile ordered this time, I was able to very, very easily swap out my rice for french fries, which is a little embarrassing to admit out loud because it's like, oh, I ordered this healthy meal and I'm just going to swap it for fries. But still, you can actually swap both of the sides and do french fries and hush puppies with your salmon, which hush puppies instead of rice? Fantastic. Now, somewhere I'm not as excited by was the other lunchtime meal we did in Magic Kingdom. Unfortunately, it was Crystal Palace, the Winnie the Pooh and Friends character dining meal inside the park. I had a great meal here the last time I visited with my parents, and I thought, how fun, we'll do it again and relive that memory with my baby Pearl. And it was not awesome. Now, some of that is on me. I blame myself. Being there with a baby, I thought character dining would be a must for her first visit. And it really wasn't. I didn't think through that a buffet is kind of the worst choice for a meal with a young child. I barely got to eat because getting up was so tricky since someone had to watch her and she needed to eat. So all of us adults ate in shifts and the the characters were coming by and we had to keep pausing. It just wasn't ideal. It just didn't... It didn't go the way I thought it would. Because my thought was, oh, we'll meet all the characters in one swoop. They'll come to us. It'll be perfect for a child. But the timing of her meal and everything didn't really line up great. So now we have all these photos of her with Pooh and Eeyore and Piglet just absolutely unhappy, completely wrecked. Every photo is uh, not good. And we'll get into this sort of stuff more in the coming weeks. But I thought it would be great for her. And boy, it was not. But since we're going to be honest this week and every week, because that is my MO, really the main reason I didn't enjoy Crystal Palace on this visit wasn't the experience. I mean, the staff was great. The characters were cute as always. It was the bill. The bill was upsettingly expensive for what we had, in my opinion. And again, it's a buffet. You can eat as much as you want. So sometimes you really can maximize it. I get it. But for us to be barely eating because we kept stopping to tend to her and take her to the bathroom and having to keep do all that and everything, it just didn't feel worth the $230 price tag for three people. It was great to see the characters, but it just did not make it worth it to me. And I know my priorities have shifted at the moment, and they have great chicken nuggets. I love a salad bar, a rarity in our year 2023 to get a salad bar. And I got, I always eat off the kids' part of the buffet, so I got chicken nuggets, I got mac and cheese, and it was delicious. But if I could have removed one meal from our schedule, it would have been this one. This one just made me feel bad for spending so much money on it, which was not the case for other meals. 
There was, of course, one other wonderful thing I ate at Magic Kingdom. And that, duh, was popcorn. It was popcorn. Of course it was popcorn. Because my mom long ago pointed out that the popcorn wagon in the middle of the hub, right by Cinderella Castle, is the best popcorn in Disney World. And boy, was she right. I went to that popcorn wagon and we bought a bucket, duh, and we got popcorn. It was perfect. It was the type of popcorn you dreamt of during the pandemic. You know, when you're like, oh boy, I can't wait to go to the park and get my favorite snacks again. That's how this tasted. It was so buttery. It was so salty. It was delicious. Oh, and we also, of course, got caramel corn on this trip too, because don't forget the caramel corn from Caramel Kush in Epcot is also sold at Big Top Souvenirs in Magic Kingdom, which my mom went and bought for me while I was feeding Pearl on the ground to the store. A win, a mothering win. On our second night there, we had a fantastic dinner at Narcoosie's. Narcoosie's! The restaurant that's as fun to say as it is to eat there. Now this Grand Floridian is so stupid, I'm sorry. I would edit that out, but you know what? Yeah, you're here for the ride and it is fun to say. Terrible to spell. Had many misspellings when I was writing it in the eater map, but still. Narcoosie's! Okay, back to food. Uh, this Grand Floridian hotel restaurant was recently renovated and revamped and reopened again a couple months ago. So I wanted to check it out because one, I wanted to do a Grand Floridian moment with the family, seeing as it was December and getting in there during the holidays is a whole thing. Having a restaurant reservation helps and well, not helps. It gets you in because you're going to the restaurant. And two, I wanted to have one really nice Disney World hotel dinner. I knowingly took the hit and I went on a night that I knew we wouldn't be able to see the fireworks because it was a Christmas party night and the timing and we had an earlier dinner and we had the baby. But even still, I am so glad we went because the food was excellent. Excellent. Really such a wonderful, nice night out. We started with the romaine and hearts of palm salad, which my dad ordered, which I was like, I don't really love a heart of palm. It was delicious. It had pecorino on it. It had uh, egg yolk. It had black garlic and a fried caper vinaigrette. It was absolutely divine. And then for dinner, I had a New York strip steak. Look at me having a steak. I rarely eat steak and was delighted with what I got. Because if I'm going to eat steak, I want it to be a good steak at a nice restaurant on a night out. Otherwise, I'm just going to eat chicken forever and ever and ever. And this prime New York strip was so good. It was served with mashed potatoes and roasted vegetables. It was phenomenal. Uh, my mom got the yuzu ginger salmon, which had a lemongrass, Thai basil emulsion, coconut rice. She loved it. And I completely forget what my dad got. I think he got the he got either a fish or pork. I honestly can't remember, but I know he was happy with what he got. And I will point out, this was the same day as Crystal Palace and ended up being around the same price, but just felt so much more worth it. But there was something else that happened while we were eating dinner here. I was really itching for the mac and cheese from Gasparilla Island Grill, that quick service restaurant at Grand Floridian. It's really, really good. I've talked about it a bunch of times here. It's kind of a sleeper hit unless you're in the know. Disney Food Blog talks about it a lot, but it's really, really good mac and cheese. And I saw a side of mac and cheese on the Narcoosie's menu, on the kids' menu, sorry, on the, on the kids' menu. So knowing that the Grand Floridian Cafe has the same mac and cheese, I kind of thought maybe there's a chance this is the same one. So I asked the waiter, the waiter looked into it, and they said, yes, it was the same mac and cheese from Gasparilla Island Grill. So I ordered it, uh, and I was so excited. And it wasn't that great, which was a disappointment because this was a favorite food of mine, like a food that I go out of my way to eat. Like I almost put it on the eater map and I barely even ate it at the table. So something felt a little off. 
So, <laughs> being the intrepid reporter that you know me to be, after dinner, yes, after a full dinner, I sent my parents back into the lobby to look at the tree, and I walked my tush over to Gasparilla Island Grill to get an order of mac and cheese to go, because I needed to know if it was the same. Yeah, I had a dinner after dinner, but I had to know. I had to know. I had to know. <laughs> I had to have the greatest mac and cheese on Disney property. And let me tell you, with a heavy heart, I must say, I still didn't love it. I don't know if the mac and cheese changed or I changed, but it is a bummer either way. It just didn't hit the same for me. I mean, everything inside my body has changed over the past year, so my taste buds changing makes sense. It's definitely possible. But it wasn't hitting the same way as before. I will definitely go back and try it once more just to be sure, but it was an unexpected moment since that mac and cheese has always been my favorite. But sometimes... It is the most unexpected moments at Disney World that become the very best moments of your trip. And we'll get into that after this break. Anyone who's uttered the words Genie Plus knows firsthand that vacations require time, money, planning, energy. And if you put all that effort into enjoying your trip already, why not extend the highlights of that getaway into your everyday with FrameBridge? Put that vintage Epcot ticket up in your office and give it a little personality. Surprise your kid with their favorite character's autograph immortalized on the wall of their room. Framebridge makes it so easy and affordable to custom frame any photo, park map, or even cocktail napkin from a theme park hotel bar in just minutes. You can mock up exactly what it'll look like on their website before you even spend a dime. Things ship fast and they ship for free, and their colorful custom framing means they'll not only help you plan your gallery wall, but make sure your place looks cooler than the interiors of that mid-century modern home within Spaceship Earth. I love the mementos I framed with Framebridge so much that I rearranged my entire office so I can enjoy them daily. This is not a bit. This is this is true life. They're the backdrop to my podcast Zoom interviews, my Instagram stories, and even the goofy photos we take of Pearl tip-tapping away at my keyboard like she's a miniature employee. Too often, our favorite memories of a vacation are tucked inside our phone or shoved within a drawer, and it thrills me to no end that because of Framebridge, I can finally be surrounded by my memories. Framebridge makes custom framing easy, affordable, and enjoyable. And on top of that, their happiness guarantee ensures that no matter what, you'll wind up with something you love. To get started, head to FrameBridge.com, because your precious travel memories shouldn't have to stay in the past. That's FrameBridge.com. Welcome back. If you follow me on Instagram, you have already heard me shout about how good this next restaurant is. But Shikisai Izakaya, the new restaurant at Epcot's Japan Pavilion, is phenomenal. Housed in the former location of Tokyo Dining, it has those same picturesque world showcase views, but now with a much better, much wider menu with just excellent food. This was honestly, honestly, this is the best dining experience of our trip. And to think that I made the reservation as I walked into Epcot, as I walked through the International Gateway is just mind blowing. I'm so glad I wound up here. I cannot wait to go back. I mean, the service was impeccable. Uh, Taking a load off from the heat with that view of the Japan Pavilion, wonderful. But truly, the food was so good. I got a bunch of things for the table to try, but my main entree was a kaisendan. Uh, It's basically chef's choice of sashimi over rice. It was $38, and I want to point out this price 
because this was better than most $38 worth of sushi that I get in Los Angeles. I love a shirashi bowl, just basically anything that's a bunch of fish on rice. And this was beyond. The fish, the fish quality was Excellent. I cannot believe I'm about to say this as someone who lives in Los Angeles, which is known for having great sushi, but I can't wait to beeline back to Orlando, right to this restaurant to get this again. And I highly recommend ordering it. The other favorite item we got was the veggie tempura. Now, I'll, listen, I'll concede, all fried food is delicious, but really high-end, really high-quality tempura is just perfectly crispy and so light, and paired with the really, really good vegetables that they used, served with this wasabi salt to dip it in, oh my gosh, I was in heaven. I'm going to be back here on probably every trip just to order those two things. It was that good. I cannot recommend this place enough for your next trip. My mom and dad also got a, a dragon roll that was great. My mom got a California roll, which she loved. But I mean, you know, California rolls, uh, California roll. Yeah, it's fine. Uh, and then we ordered some other things that were great. They weren't great. They weren't bad. They were just pretty good. Uh, namely the Wagyu gyoza, which... Okay, that admittedly, that is a bit of a stunt dish, and it's not something that I usually love, but I wanted to try it, and I tried it, and it was pretty good. My mom loved it. Uh, and then we also got the salmon miso yaki, which wasn't my absolute favorite, but I definitely would have finished it all if I didn't have so many other gummies. And that's how good this restaurant is, that even the dishes that I wasn't obsessed with are still pretty good and make me want to go back immediately on my next trip. All in all, there is so much more on the menu. There's so much. Because it's an izakaya, there's a lot of small shareable plates and a lot of things to try. So I'm going to go back for a lot of those on my next visit and definitely the favorites I already had. Also, they have this one thing that I wanted to order. We had too much food already, which is a tamaki sushi set. You can make your own hand-rolled sushi? Just a little make-your-own-sushi kit? How fun is that? Oh, and I should mention, so we wound up at this izakaya because we were going to do Takumite, the fantastic restaurant in that pavilion that's uh, price fixed. It's, I believe, uh, off the top of my head, $250 per person and then $150 per person for the plant-based option. Um, I haven't been there since, oh my gosh, 2019. It was my top meal since then, and I haven't been back since they reopened. So I was so excited to go and I foolishly did not realize in all of the time and all of the life changes that have passed that they don't allow kids under eight. Thankfully, they sent out a personalized email confirmation a few days in advance directly to you from the restaurant itself, not a Disney um, automatic email, like a true regular email. So we were able to avoid any cancellation fees, but I figured if we couldn't dine there, I should at least dine at the new place upstairs. And wow, what a delight. I will be going back to Takumite the next time I am there without a child or um, if I want to abandon my family to just eat a really nice meal. And I will report back on that, of course. But before I tell you about the next place I ate at, I just, I need to ask you to be patient because we have to talk about the Boardwalk Deli. The Boardwalk Deli. Because I, whew, I have to take the L on this one. Y'all, I have not been in this space in easily seven years. Easily. Like a full lifetime ago. My only memory is from when it was the Boardwalk Bakery. Similar in name, very different in style. So I thought it was just a sad sandwich place. Like, we're talking airport food. I thought it was full-blown airport food. You know what I mean? And in my defense, I get why I'd think that. Because even still, even in the new version, the updated version, once it was updated into Boardwalk Deli, they still have a menu that is deeply inflexible. You can't walk in and be like, hey, I'd love a turkey on wheat with shredded lettuce and honey mustard and avocado. Like, no, no that's not, <laughs> no, that's not how this works here. They basically have six sandwiches and that's it. Modifications aren't really typical and not really, they're doable, but they're not 
quite invited and you don't really have too much to choose from. But that said, we were all delighted with the sandwiches we got. I had the roasted turkey sandwich with tomatoes, provolone, and garlic aioli. And after a long park day, I devoured it. I fully swallowed this long sandwich hole like I was a snake. And part of the reason was because the bread was remarkably good. Remarkably good! I will admit I only have one sad photo of it from when I was scarfing it down in my hotel room because listen, at the end of the day in the parks with a small child, I did not have research energy. But it was on this surprisingly good baguette. It was just great, a great experience all around. I, I recommend it. I never thought I would walk in this place, let alone eat there and the sandwiches. Legit, if you're a boardwalk person, you're laughing at me. Uh, I understand. But if you are staying in the vicinity and you also have just prejudged this place like I have and haven't eaten here, it is a great option for a sandwich to take with to the airport to avoid those airport sandwiches that I talked about. And last but not least, I had to return to the classics on this trip, a true return to form with none other than Via Napoli. Listen, if loving Via Napoli makes me basic, makes me a basic Disney fan, then shove a Main Street Starbucks latte in my hand and a pair of ears on my head because I love it. I love Via Napoli and I will love it forever. I went to dinner there with my family and my friend Charles and almost all of us got individual pizzas, which I love for us. We all wanted what we wanted. We didn't want to compromise and I'm obsessed with the fact that that is an option. Everyone is happy here. For mine, I got pepperoni. I did a build your own sitch. I got pepperoni, cherry tomato, which was really good, uh, basil, and olives. It ended up being Kalamata olives, but that was fine. I didn't expect it, but it was still delicious. I scarfed it down. It was exactly what I wanted, and it really always is. I always feel like, oh, I'm in the World Showcase. Should I check in on another place? Should I, uh, should I go here? Should I go there? Should I see if it's popping? Should I check out this new menu item? Should I just go to this place I haven't been to in years and do a quality check? And I simply can't do it. I can't do it. I could not pass go and collect $200. I simply had to go to Via Napoli. And it was wonderful, and it made me happy. I mean, the meal was absolute chaos with Pearl, and my mom, I think, ended up eating a cold piece of fish after we were all done so that she can handle the diaper changes because she was so helpful on this trip. But even still, even with the meal being mania, I cannot wait to go back. And I think that's, I think that's everything. My brutally honest assessment of the food I ate while at Walt Disney World and its theme parks. There are a handful of other meals I haven't touched on and probably will in the future episode. That was more like hotel dining, um, non-Walt uh, Disney run resort hotel dining. We'll talk about it later. And duh, I got Gideon's Bakehouse. Even though I told my parents to not wait in line because the line was too long, they waited in line for 90 minutes. Bless their hearts. My mom is such a mom. I told her to get on the line and I knew she wouldn't. I love her. Um, oh, also when they brought Gideon's back to the hotel, they also brought back Polite Pig. And that was some incredible mac and cheese. I haven't eaten there in years and I got to go back. I got to do a full two days at Disney Springs and check back in on everything. But I was thrilled with the food they brought back from Polite Pig for me. I was also so dehydrated I could barely eat anything. A fun thing that happens to me sometimes with the mac and cheese, even in my uh, state of weakness, was divine. I think, okay, that re- yeah. Yes, that is everything I ate. Uh, be sure to check out my eater story if you um, are planning a trip or you know someone who's planning a trip and you don't want to do any work, just send them that link. And stay tuned for more food advice and guides and things in the new year. We spent a lot of money on food on this trip, a lot, which means that I'm going to be factoring in pricing and ways to save money in my guides and advice in 2024 way, way, way more often because prices keep rising and there are definitely ways to do it Oh, less expensive and more expensive. And there are some meals that are worth it. And there are some meals that are not worth it. So keep checking back and be sure to tune in next month for even more from my trip to Disney World. Hey. 
Hey, Carly. This is Stephen from New York. Um, I, we just had a baby. She's three months old. We're thinking about taking her around December of 2024. She'd be just over a year um, to Disney World. And I was wondering if you had, like, suggestions, a game plan, you know, how, how it went with Pearl. I just – I'm very excited to see how it went for you because we're uh, – we really want to go and take her when she's younger. Um, but, yeah, thank you so much and really appreciate it. I won't have the answer for you on this episode, but I promise in the next few weeks, I will have you fully loaded and ready to go for your trip. And it's actually really interesting because I am a Disney expert, quote unquote, it is my job, but I honestly consider anyone who visits these parks regularly to also be a Disney expert because there is a level of expertise you need to go to these parks. And anyone listening to this who goes to these parks knows what I'm talking about. You have to be an expert in booking things and navigating and all of these different facets of a Disney parks vacation to go there and to thrive. I am very new with visiting with a child. I know that other people have multiple children and have visited many, many, many times with children. However, I'm going to do my best over the next year, over the first year of Pearl's life, to really document what it's like taking a baby. Because in looking for resources before I was planning my trip myself, a lot of things were geared towards kids. Kids that were primarily over a year, um, over two years, over three years. More like how to navigate with multiple kids, how to do anything with a child. But a baby is very specific because I visited Disney World when she was about eight months. And I'm going to visit her Disneyland with her when she's about 10 months. It was like eight and a half and 10 months. And she's a completely different child than she was even two and a half weeks ago when I went to Disney World with her. When I took her, she did not crawl. Now she is on the move, does not want to sit still. And it is going to be so, so drastically different. So while I am new to the world of visiting with children and other people have done it way, way, way more than I have, I'm going to do my best to break that down for these very specific age gaps and these milestones because babies grow up so fast. They grow so much in the first year. And taking a three-month-old, a six-month-old, a nine-month-old, a 12-month-old are four completely different trips. So hopefully I will have all of those resources for you coming soon and keep listening because there'll be so much and I can't wait to go back to the parks. Yay. Okay. Thanks for calling. Bye. Hi, Carly. This is Jane from Houston. I have a question for you now that you have a baby and I have a little one and Disney totally changes now once you have a kid. So we're planning on going to Disneyland when my daughter's, um, around three, not three years old yet, so Disneyland. And I was wondering, with the Lightning Lane Genie Plus situation, if she's under three and we don't need a ticket, can she use the Lightning Lane with myself and my husband, or does she need her own or buy her own ticket to then get into all the Lightning Lane Genie Plus magical stuff? Anyways, thank you so much for answering my question, and you're the best. Bye. Hi! Fantastic question. So we will be doing a lot of this type of stuff in the new year. Just really handy, easy to listen to guides and tips for visiting the parks for the first time with young kids, especially since I've never done that. (laughs) And I will be going a lot in the next few months now that I broke the seal. It's pretty wild, actually, to be a Disney Parks fan and go a lot and then go with a kid and be like, this is a completely different experience. And if you have kids and you're listening to this, either with or without your kids, you know what I'm talking about. If you've been to the parks before you had them, it is very different. And I am new to that world and I'm trying to navigate it. And it is so interesting. But to answer your question from the get-go, 
Kids under three do not require admission to Disneyland and Disney World, as I believe you know. And if you don't need a ticket for your child to enter, you really don't need anything associated with a ticket, if that makes sense. Essentially, if your child has admission, if they're three or older, they'll need their own Lightning Lane entries, their own Genie Plus, their own individual Lightning Lane return times as a member of your party. But if they're so young that they don't even have an account, they just come along with you wherever you go, they're ticket free, uh, then you don't need anything associated with that. If your child is closer to three, which uh, in this case it is, you may have to mention while checking in, while scanning in to all the attractions, if you use Genie Plus, if you use anything that requires a lightning lane, uh, that your child is under three. But beyond that, you'll be good to go and you just have to book all of your own stuff. I hope you have so much fun. I hope you have a great trip. And if you have any other questions that pop up, please do call back. I am here for you and I am navigating my way through. Thanks for calling. much for listening. You can rate, review, and follow Very Amusing on Apple Podcasts. Podcasts? Podcasts. (laughs) I should know what this is. And you can rate and follow us on Spotify. Uh, I don't know if I mentioned this before, but if you give us a review on Apple Podcasts, I get an email about it. There's this uh, third-party website that sends me email alerts, and they email me whenever I get a review. So it's whenever you, um, if you write a nice review on Apple Podcasts, I will see it in my inbox, and it's very, very nice, and I appreciate it. So it's kind of, it's like you're sending me a little postcard through the digital verse. Uh, It's nice. So if you haven't reviewed us, consider doing it, and then I'll wave back to you through my computer. Okay. Uh, you can give us a call at 747churros. You can send a voice note to 747churros or email it to 747churros at gmail.com. We have a handful that are bigger, more research in depth that I'm going to get into next month. So if you're kind of sitting around being like, why is she not answering my call, which I thought she would, I'm getting to it. I promise. Just some take a little more work and I haven't had time to do it. You can buy Very Amusing merchandise at very-amusing.com. And you can follow me at Carly Weisel on all the platforms. I've been posting a little more on that threads thing, even though it's like, oh, another platform. But you know, it's it's nice that they kind of plop it into Instagram, which is where I spend all of my day because I can't get off the Instagram. Uh, but you can follow me on all the platforms. And you can join the family at facebook.com slash groups slash Carly Weisel. Thanks so much for listening. See you real soon. Hey, honey, it's mom. I love this episode. Shanghai Zootopia sounds so cool. How did you get all these Imagineers? Not one, but four. I think it was Rachel Miller, Blaine Tennyson, Lucas Kading, and Michelle Twitch. That is so unbelievable. So I didn't know anything about Zootopia, so I was listening to it and it intrigued me, so I played um, the trailer for it, and I learned about the prisons, the jails, and that there's no humans. They're all animals walking on two feet, some with skills, and I thought, this is so cool. And in the attraction, they were talking about Nick and Judy, that they're just like you, like they're like humans. It sounds like my favorite kind of ride because it sounds like Ratatouille. It sounds like you can go fast and you can get turns just like the Ratatouille, but not like a roller coaster. I love that. So not only do I have to watch Utopia the movie, but I would love to see the attraction one day. The technology and the animation of the ride from the chase scene sounds incredible. Great episode, honey. Um, I just heard a commercial, too, about Let Us Entertain You, our favorite place. All right, sweetie, have a great week. I love you so much. I love you, Pearl, and I do love you, John Stamos. Bye, sweetheart.